Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 291, starting off with security news. CISA has released a set of TTPs for Chinese state-sponsored cyber operations, and these are released in the MITRE format. It's uh, all the stuff you might expect, scanning and uh, egress of traffic and that sort of thing, but uh, pretty interesting that they're putting this stuff out to the public. Really like seeing that. The U.S. says China breached 13 pipeline operations between 2011 and 2013, according to FBI and CISA. The attackers were state-sponsored and made no attempt to modify pipeline operations in the targets, which frankly scares me more. A top U.S. Catholic Church official was outed after someone tracked his cell phone data and basically correlated it with grinder data and found that he was going to gay bars. So he has resigned. CISO's director says he's doubling efforts to figure out what's causing Havana syndrome, which has affected more than 200 U.S. officials and family members globally. This is the thing where people get like overwhelming headaches. They believe they're hearing this sound and it just kind of like drives them insane. And a lot of people say that this is some sort of weapon that's being used by. Uh, Cuban officials or communist government type officials, uh, basically kind of a an old Cold War type technique. That's one of the theories anyway. And some people say it's something unrelated and natural, and it's still being investigated. So the CIA director says he's uh, really looking closely at this. Clearview AI, the company that got in so much trouble for selling access to a database of people's faces and profiles, so it's basically an app. You basically just show the app to somebody. You show your camera to somebody, and it will just pop up information in like whatever a sci-fi sort of way to show you who that person is and, and give you their profile and their and their metadata. And this company, which everyone thought was in so much trouble and was about to close shop, they are still suffering a bunch of lawsuits. But they just raised thirty million dollars from a bunch of investors who didn't want to name themselves. But I think I predicted this. I, I don't think this technology is going away anytime soon. It's like I talked about in um, my book in 2016. Certain things people just want so badly that even if you squash them, you know, like a weed in one particular area, another one will pop up next to your foot. And the ability to look at somebody and see information about them has been written about so many times in sci-fi. For a very specific reason. It's something humans fundamentally want, right? I mean, it's the most important information a human can have is to understand who am I dealing with? Who is in this room? How should I act around these people? People adjust how they spend their time based on who the person is, right? Someone might think, am I wasting my time talking to this person? Should I stop all my other conversations and go try to talk to this person? Oh, it turns out they're a VC. Oh, it turns out they're a government official. 
And the ability to have that information quickly available to you in an app, I think, is an idea that will not go away, even if Clearview were to die. But not yet. Not today, as they say. $30 million in investment. So I think they're doing fine. Plus, they have all these contracts with lots of different uh, government organizations, law enforcement organizations. I, I think they're doing just fine. There's a new NTLM relay attack on Windows called Petit Podem. It works by forcing a host to authenticate to an arbitrary machine via MS EFS RPC. Kasaya has the universal decryptor for the Revol ransomware it was infected with. Anti-vax communities are adjusting their tactics to include speaking in code to avoid detection and banning. This example here talks about dancing folks and non-dancing doctors. And dancing, of course, in this metaphor is vaccination. So you can imagine the difficulty of training a system to do this. I imagine with AI, there's probably a way to target this. Not an expert in that particular area, but it looks like using gerunds seems to be popular, right? Swimming, dancing, etc. So that could be a pattern to lock in on until they figure that out. People are becoming concerned that getting unemployment benefits is going to be increasingly tied to participating in facial recognition technology. 25 states are working with a vendor called ID.me, which uses the tech to verify identities for unemployment applications. And this article here talks about how someone was complaining that they didn't want to participate in the facial recognition portion, which is the identification portion of it, right? You have to confirm that you are who you are before you get the check. And this person didn't want to participate in that, and therefore they weren't getting a check. So that's what this article is about. And yeah, evidently half of the U.S. states are working with this one vendor, and there are other vendors playing in the space as well. Cisco has released security updates for InterSite Virtual Appliance. Adobe has patched 21 vulnerabilities across seven products. Apple has released security updates for macOS and iOS. And Fortinet has patched an issue that lets attackers run as root. Cyber risk management company firm Safe Security raised $33 million. Bug Bounty and VDP platform Yes We Hack raised $18.8 million. And DNS Filter raised $30 million. Technology news. Companies are working on tech to pull carbon out of the atmosphere called direct air capture. And there seems to be significant interest from investors. So that's pretty exciting. I know a couple of the conversations that a friend of mine and I have been having over the years about this. He was like, yeah, I'm not too worried about it. If it becomes a big problem, basically everyone will pull together and find a technological solution. So maybe, maybe this is a path. This article talks about how much carbon can actually be pulled out by a given site. And it is a very small amount, right? Because it's billions of tons of carbon going into the atmosphere every year. And this one only gets, you know, a small amount um, over the course of a year, right? So they're talking about, you know, thimblefuls when you have an ocean or whatever the metaphor is. And that's why it's so important that you scale the technology and get lots of people using it. But 
no one knows for sure if this is actually going to be the solution or part of the solution. Of course, it could be a combination of multiple things, right? DeepMind created a system called AlphaFold that it says has predicted the structure of every protein in the human body, as well as for many yeasts, flies, mice, and other organisms. The protein structures can be used to help understand and fight disease, and they're releasing all of the proteins that are predicted to the public. Netflix is gambling on gaming over buying music studios, which I think is the smart move. I think gaming is uh, going to be a massive future here. Actually, it links to this next story. Facebook is looking to become a metaverse company. What does that mean? Basically, the convergence of physical, augmented, and virtual reality, along with an economy and the ability to move seamlessly between them. I think this is smart, and Facebook is likely to do well as a first mover in this space. I felt like they've always been underselling like their full capabilities, right? I mean, selling ads on a chat network, essentially, right? A social network you know, sharing links and stuff. I mean, that's fine or whatever, but it's always seemed like Zuckerberg had a bigger vision, right? He's always messing around with, you know, Oculus and all this other stuff. So I think being a metaverse company, they've finally captured what their ultimate mission is, or at least their strategic mission, right? So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. I don't know of anyone who's going to be able to play in the space to compete with them anytime soon, right? Either companies that are big enough to compete with them in this space aren't going to go there, and companies who have better ideas aren't going to be able to make a dent, I don't think. Although, it could be that small gaming companies are the conduit into it, right? So if you have a gaming universe, then people could say, oh yeah, I want that to be an uh, a conduit. I want that to be an entry point into this metaverse. Or I like this particular reality that this game is providing. And maybe then it becomes a matter of building plumbing that allows, you know, Facebook's metaverse to interact with different systems. I actually wrote about this, I think in like 99 or 2000 or something. And it was basically about how there would be a unified system for virtual reality. And then when you would build games, you would basically pivot between the different games, but you would still be your main avatar, your main character. So if you're playing an overall, like, reality sort of game, where essentially the idea here is that the real world is kind of boring or you're not useful in the real world, although I wasn't really thinking about that problem so much in 2000, but... Anyway, now that we know that is going to be a problem, or at least I believe it's going to be a problem, you instead live in this other world, right? So let's say you like shooting games, and you like basketball games, and you like the ocean. Well, there could be a marine biology game where once you dive into the ocean in this universal uh, reality, it pivots over to using that game engine, right? So now you're inside of that game with all those interactions. And over time, of course, that seam will become less and less obvious. But let's say you come out of the ocean and you want to go to a bar. And now you're in like a UFC game or something if someone punches you. And if someone pulls a gun, well, now you're in a shooting game. And it, basically, the idea is that the, the 
the basic game, the fundamental life game, doesn't have to have all these rich enhancements for interactions between people, right? And you can sort of pawn that off to the different engines that do that really well. Of course, that's not easy, um, obviously, and I'm not a super expert in this area either, but you, you would essentially have to have a uh, location and physics system that's able to be translated between all these different engines, right? Because you don't want to go from the base reality into a specified reality, like a UFC or a shooting reality, and have the receiving game not understand the inside of bars, right? Uh, okay, tables, people, you know, throwing mugs or whatever, right? Those are things that the receiving game would all have to understand. So, I mean, this is not any near field tech, right? This is uh, quite some distance away. But I think that's obviously the, the way things are going to go. Because one game engine, one system is not going to build all the modules for all these different things, or at least not as well, right? It'll be functional. You'll have some driving functionality, but it won't be nearly as good as a racing game. And the same goes for visuals, right? So if you don't care about clothes, then you'll just be wearing regular clothes and so will everyone else. But if you buy whatever, the wardrobe upgrade, well, you get to select from a number of different vendors, different gaming vendors that sell clothes add-ons, right? So maybe it's, I don't know, The Gap or something. And now everything that you own, or it's a combination of like The Gap plus a bunch of, you know, high-end fashion things. And now if someone's wearing nice clothes inside the game, you will actually see the nice clothes and you'll see, you'll be able to see tags and you'll be able to see you know, specific attributes of that, that clothing. And the same goes for cars and the same goes for jewelry and the same goes for, you know, makeup and shoes and uh, pretty much everything, including like how a city looks, right? And cities will pay to have their cities look really good inside the game and everything. So I think this is the way they're going. And if you think about metaverse, I think this is the type of thing that Facebook is the closest to thinking about this. Right. I, obviously, I don't know if they're thinking about something like this, but I imagine they are. Right. The way I think about gaming is reality replacement. And that's why I like this concept of metaverse, because it really is big enough to capture the full idea of reality replacement. A survey by Unit 4 says 83% of finance professionals plan to upskill on AI and related tech within two years. Human news. 41% of people across 11 countries say their next car will be electric. 41%. That is extraordinary. And it's because of Tesla. I saw someone talking about, yeah, Tesla is just going to keep rising. It's going to be super expensive and whatever. To the moon. But I, I don't own any right now. I made uh, money off of it very early. I guess uh, early 2020. I guess, is where I made money on it. Uh, I basically invested right after, or right before I bought a car. So I guess this was late, or mid to late 2019. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are saying that that this is still going to be a massive innovation company. And I guess I kind of see it, just because Elon will not stop. And he just keeps trying things, even if they're silly or dumb. So I think there's something to that. But the sheer accomplishment of 
pushing electric cars from being nothing in like 2018 to being everyone is doing it and 41% of people in 11 countries want to buy an electric car. And he, he accomplished that basically in four years, as far as I can tell. I mean, I don't feel like before 2018, electric cars was more than a like a long-term eventual thing, but nobody was seriously thinking soon other than Tesla. So kudos to them. China has effectively banned tutoring services in the country, essentially stating from their Ministry of Education. Sounds very Harry Potter-esque tied with Orwell. Essentially stating that education should be a matter of welfare, not profit. Have to agree. Have to agree. I'm not sure how the profiteering off of tutoring, though, is damaging to that. But anyway, they know better than I do. A lot of experts are saying we're likely to see large numbers of vaccine mandates once the FDA grants full approval to the main vaccines. And yes, you heard that right. The current offerings, the current vaccines are not yet FDA approved. I did not know this. I assumed that was an early step. But yeah, they're not FDA approved. And once they are, many employers and businesses are likely to require people to be vaccinated to work there or to frequent that business. So pretty hard to do, though, right? Pretty hard to mandate that people consume something that the FDA is not even approved. India is considering a two-child policy to keep its population growth in check. I think that probably makes sense, but at the same time, China is suffering from the opposite right now. They had that policy for too long, and, and now they're struggling with an aging population problem. PG&E will bury 10,000 miles of power lines. Many believe power lines could have caused the massive fire that's currently in southern Oregon. And evidently, smoke from that fire is causing air pollution in New York City. From Oregon all the way to New York City. That's a big fire. Content ideas and analysis. Quite a few pieces this week. Been doing a lot of writing, finally getting settled with all this life change. And uh, yeah, quite a few pieces here. First one, associate with grinders. Why I enjoy biographies so much and how I plan to adjust how I spend my time. You can read that over at the site. How to improve vaccination rates using a conspiracy. This is a conspiracy to use a conspiracy to improve vaccination rates. Dead drops and security through obscurity. A quick piece looking at the security of dead drops. The presenting vendor paradox. Why so many conference talks come from company representatives. And InfoSec is kids falling downstairs. My analogy for security is kids falling downstairs. It's easy to push them, which is pen testing. And it's easy to sit at the bottom of the stairs and catch them, which is defense or blue team. But after a while, neither makes you feel that heroic. You just come away being sad that it keeps happening. This was a discussion that I had with some folks on Twitter. And last one here, vaccination math. Obvious to most readers, but helpful to pass on. A rising rate of infections in vaccinated people is normal in a population that is rapidly vaccinating. If a population is 100% vaccinated, 
and some tiny fraction of vaccinated people can still get sick, then 100% of people getting sick will be vaccinated. The trick isn't to ask how many people who test positive were vaccinated, but rather what percentage of non-vaccinated versus vaccinated people become hospitalized or die when they test a positive. For example, 100% of COVID deaths in June in Maryland were unvaccinated, and cases and hospitalizations were 95% and 93% respectively. In Louisiana, 97% of cases and deaths since June were unvaccinated as well. It's pretty much high 90s percentages for cases, hospitalizations, and deaths everywhere in the U.S. Those are the numbers that people should be looking at. Notes. The UL Book Club yesterday was fantastic. We talked for a full 90 minutes, actually over 90 minutes, about the topics of China's rise, the legitimacy of the book's claims, and what can and should be done about China's new approach. Fascinating discussion. Really enjoyed it. We also picked the next book, which happened very quickly, which is Dune. David, uh, who is part of the UL community, one of the original members of the UL community, said that he thought it was a good idea, given the fact that the new movie is coming out in September. And by the way, the new Dune trailers look fantastic. The cast looks great. Just the imagery looks really good. I noticed a few things that seem, they struck like a, a bad note in my mind in terms of like disagreeing with the book, but I'll know in a second because I'm about to reread the book as part of UL Book Club. So if you would like to be part of this, which is uh, really fun, you should come join us. You can sign up at danielmeisler.com slash subscribe. Someone plagiarized a bunch of my and other people's work, and I asked Twitter for help finding him and asking him to stop. The article came down within a few minutes, but I believe I framed it correctly in my messaging. Basically, I wanted to do a public call-out, but I wanted to also let him learn a lesson and sort of be forgiven. I still haven't heard from the guy. And uh, as I was uh, writing this, I, I went and looked at his Twitter just to see if he had sent anything. And I was blocked. And lots of other people in the thread are also blocked. So it looks like he might not be so benign after all. This is basically someone who works at Komodo Labs, is an editor over there. And just stole tons of content. Uh, evidently, a bunch of people found additional stuff that was stolen. It seems to be a regular MO. And rather than reach out to me directly and apologize and reach out to Hacks for Pancakes, Leslie Carhart, as well for stealing her stuff, and probably the countless of other people stuff that he's stolen, uh, looks like from what the community is saying. Rather than do that, no, he just starts blocking on Twitter. So I, I'm kind of deciding whether or not I have the time to actually reach out to Komodo and just be like, this is not cool. This person did not apologize, which indicates to me, like, this is not a reformed person. This is someone who was happy doing what they were doing, knew exactly what they were doing, and is just upset that someone found out. So they think the solution is to just block people. And I'm inclined to increase pressure on people like that. So, uh, I don't know. If you know anyone at Komodo, let me know, and I will try to reach out and handle it uh, privately from this point. 
One of the new podcasts I just started listening to mentioned stretch gyms and breathing gyms. Not sure about you, but I'm not overly excited by the idea of breathing heavily in a room full of people right now. But stretching, that is appealing to me. Right now, I'm heavily focused on just getting my body like working correctly. So, being really strong with like weights, having a strong core with like core workouts, and being flexible, which is stretching, right? I never thought of full workouts of just stretching till I heard about it on this podcast, but I'm definitely intrigued and I think it makes a lot of sense. If you know of any good remote options for stretching workouts, I definitely love to hear about them and bonus if they somehow integrate with Apple Fitness. That would be really nice. Or if you know of any Apple Fitness workouts that have to do with stretching, I imagine maybe some of the core stuff does. Anyway, let me know. Discovery? Drowning doesn't look like drowning. The Great Resignation? A Full Guide to TikTok by The Verge? Wonder the Night, a website that plays wonderful soundtracks inspired by wandering in major Asian cities. Doctor Who's 13th season covers a single story, which is intriguing to me. Reverse engineering for dummies. Reconkey, a bass script that runs Asset Finder, Sublister, Amass. I actually say it Amass, except for then I said Amass, whatever. The perils of podcasting. Knockpy, HTTP Probe, Nmap, and Eyewitness all in one tool. And Reverse SSH, a standalone statically linked SSH binary for use in CTFs or pen testing. Recommendations. Consume more biographies of great people. My friend Travis McPeak just told me about a great podcast called How to Take Over the World, which first off has a great name. But second, it's a phenomenal series about the lives of great people. Tim Ferriss did something similar, I think. I think he's talking to more like contemporary people, like more regular people, just kind of, I think, mostly rich people, honestly. But this one is more about historical greats, Napoleon, Edison, people like that. And it is just really, really well done. And I can't recommend enough listening to biographies. Hang out with grinders. Make a list of your friends who are constantly working to improve their lives, their projects, their friends, and most of all themselves. Spend more time with them. Prioritize texting and voice and video calling with them. Help them to improve and ask them to do the same for you. And the aphorism for the week. You are what you can't stop doing. You are what you can't stop doing. Anonymous. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. And here's your next podcast.